Hello and welcome to season two of Inform's Meet Her podcast. My name is Terry Barclay and I'm president and CEO of Inforum, a nonprofit whose work includes highlighting and supporting diversity in business leadership. The Meet Her podcast series introduces listeners to women of accomplishment whose experiences and insight feed us all on our leadership journeys. And I'm so excited that joining me today is Rose Glenn, Chief Communications and Marketing Officer, Michigan Medicine, and a longtime member of Inforum's Healthcare Next Industry Group Steering Committee. Welcome, Rose, and thank you so much for joining me today and for your support and engagement with Inforum. Well, thank you, Terry. It's so nice to be with you today. So, so we have a lot to talk about, so let's jump right in. Um, how do you define and communicate the differences between diversity, inclusion, and equity in your organization? Well, a while ago, um, someone used the definition that diversity is how we support people from marginalized communities by increasing their representation and including them in what we do and how we do it. And, and I like that because I think that showed that connection of, of diversity and um, how it relates so well to inclusion and involvement. Whereas equity really focuses on changing the structures and systems that create inequities in the first place. And we're very lucky at the University of Michigan and Michigan Medicine to have many different organizations that really focus on trying to reduce disparities, to reduce inequities. And I, I'm really proud of the work that's been done, uh, especially recently with an anti-racism oversight committee that mm -hmm. Michigan Medicine put in place that was stimulated or sparked by a lot of the violence that occurred this summer and the eventual uh, social uprising where mm -hmm. people really um, put a lot of energy and a lot of resources around doing the right thing going further. And it was um, our medical students that really came forward first and said, we want to be part of this. Um, there is a group called White Coats for Black Lives, and they helped spur mm -hmm. a lot of the original activity that eventually was uh, generated and, and formed into this anti-racism oversight committee. Oh my gosh, How I've never heard of White Coats for Black Lives. What a great thing to Absolutely. have students propelling this. That's wonderful. Yes, we're really fortunate um, and we continue to learn so much. And I think to do a better job, um, we as communicators, have a lot of onus to effect change through how we communicate, what we communicate, who we feature in the communication. Um, actually, we just created a video where uh, it's targeted to the black community about vac vaccinations and mm. the safety of this vaccine. But it's it was written with the people that we feature in the video and we learned so much from our black physicians, our black students uh, and others about the cause of the mistrust 
and the need to acknowledge the cause for the mistrust. And we do that in the video um, through the voices of our different, um, uh, different representatives uh, or uh, people that, that speak in the video. Oh, it's so great to hear that you're doing that work. You know, I, I just was, uh, there was just some data that I think was published that showed that you're more likely, people are more likely to be vaccinated if they live in high income zip codes, for example. And how wonderful that you're grounding yourself in those sort of proactive steps to level that playing field. That's really wonderful. Kudos. Thank you, Terry. We, we have to focus on more than just the people who have access into their MyChart portals. Um, you can't just focus on vaccinating a group that is savvy or has Wi-Fi. Um, so we are going back to hard copy mailings and working with our community um, health and outreach group and looking at how we, along with the county health department and others, can reach um, uh, minority communities, uh, underserved communities, and make sure they have access to the vaccine. That that's just that's just so wonderful. So <clears throat> you're you're sort of talking about our next question already. But you know, I I'm always curious about that sort of theory to practice shift. So so. I, I think many people are committed to these principles, but what can leaders do on a day-to-day -day basis to encourage and facilitate diversity, equity, and inclusion? Terry, I think that values are really important and we have um, introduced new values this past summer into Michigan medicine and inclusion is one of those values. But what a leader has to do is take the theoretical values and make them real for their team members. So what we did in my department is we took all of our values and we said, what behaviors do we wanna see in ourselves and one another that demonstrate those values? Mm -hmm. So we went through and we came up with behaviors for each of the values. And then instead of just um, having them in a Word document in your stored in your computer, um, I put them on agendas and I rotate the values, um, excuse me, the behaviors on the different agendas, whether it's an all staff meeting or uh, a meeting to discuss a specific issue. And we will revisit how we're doing on demonstrating those behaviors as we go forward. But I think you have to talk about them. You have to uh, incorporate them in what you do. And then those are words and those are behaviors and those are important, but then what are the actions that you take? And one of the um, groups that came out of our, um, and uh, that came out of our focus on anti-racism was a diversify the workforce group. And the diversify the workforce group is really around, um, do, you, um, do you hardwire practices in your, um, in your department to make sure that you have uh, diverse recruits when you're recruiting for a position, um, that you um, have a, a constant focus on development so that when um, you are promoting people, there is an opportunity to show 
um, diversity in your leadership ranks? Are you thinking even earlier than all of that and going back to interns and fellows and making sure that um, you um, recruit not just from your typical um, sources, but that you look for um, candidates from uh, historically black colleges or other areas. We're, we're just really big believers that um, diversity in racial, ethnic, uh, gender brings diversity of thought and makes us a better organization. Absolutely. And, and probably also allows you to better connect with a diverse patient base ultimately i what what wonderful examples of going from values to sort of uh policies and then specific behaviors that's thank you for for that answer that detailed answer and some detailed examples i think there's so many people who are well-intentioned and really um respond to seeing some some examples of actions that they can take <laughs> so so our, our next topic is sort of how do you define success and communicate what that looks like to your team? So I'm a believer that from the very beginning, you have to look at what the strategic priorities are of the organization and develop your team or departmental goals that show a direct line between what you do on a daily basis and how it's helping further the goals and priorities of the organization. So we always start there. And um, I, I think that gives people such a good feeling like they are contributing um, to the overall mission when you, when you do that line that connects directly to the, the um, strategic priorities. Um, I believe that you really have to um, show that you are making a difference through meaningful dashboards. And I'm a real believer in the lead indicators and the lag <sighs> indicators and showing, because sometimes it's just baby steps um, and showing that one thing you do leads to another thing that then leads to that return on investment because you're bringing new patients into the organization, for example. That makes a difference because again, people feel like they are contributing to the whole. So those are just a couple of the ways we really try to connect the dots um, and, and focus on the right things and measuring the right things. Wow, <clears throat> you know, I, so often I hear people complain about dashboards uh, because I don't think, I think what seems to be missing often is that connection all the way through, you know, from the, the beginning, the action, and then the, the results. So what a great example of how to make those metrics really meaningful for, and actionable, you know, something that, that people can control to produce a better outcome. That's really great. That's a great word for it, making them actionable, yes. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so <clears throat> I can't think of an industry <laughs> Talk about rapid pace of change. Um, uh, healthcare, my goodness. Um, we're all so grateful that you're there and that you're doing what you do. Um, how does the rapid pace of change within the organization, the industry, affect your leadership 
style. Can you maybe share a story about a time when you had to adapt uh, to or implement real change? Well, the pandemic lends itself to a very good example. Uh, you know, in the past, we might have comprehensive marketing and communication plans that, um, you know, did all of the right things. They list your stakeholders and your strategies and your tactics and your timelines and your accountabilities and how you're going to measure. And you, you have these precise plans and you implement them. Um, honestly, in this pandemic, what, if you tried to do that, it was not going to work because Everything was changing on not just a weekly basis, but sometimes an hourly basis. They were learning new information. First, uh, masks weren't required, then they were required. And um, what was happening with the PPE um, within your institution? Was there going to be a shortage? And it was there was just one issue flying after another. So what we did was even though we had um, a comprehensive plan, we called it a um, a weekly update. So things, and this has continued through the vaccine communication because the vaccine rollout has so many issues with it. Yes, it does. That, <laughs> that we are calling it the weekly plan. We do it on Monday. It absolutely stems from a more comprehensive plan. It has the same stakeholders. Um, it has a um, uh, often many of the same core elements, but each week we're saying, okay, what are the important messages that we have to convey this week? How are we going to convey them? Um, what is the right timing to do so? Uh, it, it, each week now, we have to um, reflect on what the priorities are. And that, that really um, requires an agility that um, we've, we've never had to have before. Even though the industry itself changes pretty rapidly and agility was a good thing to have, agility is a must have. And as a leader, um, I talk to my team all of the time about the need to do that. And I am, we're doing a lot of um, celebrating of people's achievements. And you know when you have something like a crisis, you're used to there being an endpoint. And this crisis started last March and hasn't stopped. So right. people are getting tired, they're getting burned out. And what we're doing is we're really trying to refuel them. And we do that through, um, through accolades and we do that through storytelling and we do that through sometimes just admitting, you know what, I'm really, really tired too. And I can empathize with what you're going through. Um, we are so fortunate to have a great uh, focus on wellness at Michigan Medicine. So um, one of the tips they gave the other day was start your meeting with everybody saying what they're grateful for. And so we went around and did that. And we try to incorporate those things into um, our meeting framework because it's so important right now when you're going on a full year of high energy, uh, high volume of work and living in a really stress-filled environment. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate those examples because 
um, you know, my number one question is, is about this, really, it's sort of, how do you refuel yourself? How do you, how do you build that resilience when it, what we thought was a sprint turns out to be quite a marathon. Um, you, you know, you almost see teams go through that initial surge of, you know, high energy, and we can tackle this, we can handle this, to just kind of being worn down by the, right. rel- no. by the relentlessness of it, you know, it's just, and there's no place in the economy that has experienced that more than healthcare. Um, you know, so th- it's really great to hear um, what you're doing as a leader um, and what the leadership of Michigan Medicine is doing to make sure the team bounces back. Uh, it is, Terry. I'm, I'm very grateful for um, the uh, ability to, to tap the resources of others to incorporate some kind of wellness, some kind of breather um, into my meetings. And, and for me personally, uh, I don't know what I would do without my yoga um, that I do three times a week at least. And the yoga is, is um, one that is uh, for people who are trying to strengthen their backs and it involves meditation and relaxation. And it's just been um, a real godsend to me. And and I, I think that having something like that, being able to get away from the work and be able to reflect on um, what makes you grateful and what makes you at peace and what makes you um, uh, happy, you know, in the moment are all really important reminders. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> and trust is also an element, I, I think, you know, it's, it's often identified as a key element of leadership. So how do you go about building that trust? Uh, how have you done that in the past? And why do you think it worked? Well, I think the trust building always begins with um, doing what you say you are going to do. That, that by far is so important. If you don't have credibility for following through, for committing, committing to something and then making sure you actually do it, you will lose credibility really quickly. So I would say that that's first and foremost. Um, but I think um, in, in this time of uh, COVID and, and the, vac- the vaccines, it's really treating the folks that you work with as partners who have the same goals as you and working together to achieve those goals. The vaccine, vaccine a nation task force that we have, they're working so hard and getting like everyone everywhere, often getting criticized for why did you prioritize that way? And, uh, you know, why don't we have enough vaccine, et cetera, et cetera. And I think making sure you, you don't ever get into a us versus them. Mm -hmm. It is us and we're working together to help the organization succeed. Um, That is so important. Um, And I I think really quickly builds trust in these difficult circumstances. Yeah. Yes. I always feel like 
uh, sort of sarcastically answering why why don't we have enough vaccine? Well, my magic wand wasn't working that yeah, day. Yeah, absolutely. It's just uh, uh, such a difficult time, I, you know, for everyone. And and so one more question in this section: Do you have a favorite quote you'd like to share? I do. Uh, the, the history of it is, is, is very um, amusing. When I was graduating from high school, my sister made me one of those wine bottles that had masking tape all over it that you then painted. I think she might have used brown shoe polish. And there was a quote <laughs> in the center of the bottle. And I still have that bottle sitting on my bedroom dresser. And the quote is from Ralph Waldo Emerson. Do not follow where the path may lead. Instead, follow where there is no path and leave a trail. And I have um, really embraced that quote my entire life. Um, I've tried uh, to do things sometimes in a different way, not, not ignoring lessons learned and uh, the wisdom from others who came before me, but never looking at things at, in a singular way as this is the only way to go. Um, so I really try to, um, to embrace the words in that quote. And I think it's actually helped me because uh, I, have, I have been in many different roles and have required um, uh, a lot of uh, creativity in um, taking those next steps in my career. Um, I've had to be bold and I've had to be courageous. And I think that quote um, has just helped inspire me. Oh, I love that. What a great story. What a great sister. Yes. <laughs> yes. A great sister. <laughs> so, so Rose, before you go, <clears throat> could you share with us a story about how you used, or maybe even a time when you wish you'd used a key leadership competency and why that mattered? Certainly. Um, I think that self-awareness is a key leadership competency. And there was a time when I uh, was relatively young. It was my first vice president job, my first executive job. And the health system CEO um, had agreed to have the executives uh, go through uh, some training I wanted them to have around um, executive presentations and media training. And when we were chatting, um, he said, so when are you going through it? And <laughs> I, I laughed and I said, well, I wasn't going to go through it. I was going to have these different leaders go through it. And he said, you know, um, you are um, relatively young in your career. And I think you compensate um, during your presentations by coming off as very um, hardcore, serious, um, almost cold and unapproachable. And I think you would benefit. And Terry, uh, that piece of advice was so valuable to me because he's, he was absolutely right. I was trying so hard at, you know, I think I was 32. 
um, to be this um, executive who was taken seriously that I didn't smile. I didn't do any of the things you're supposed to do to come off as engaging or warm or approachable because I was so focused on being taken seriously. That was such great feedback. And I did go through the presentation training and I told them what problem I was trying to solve. And they gave me lots of, lots of help and lots of coaching and um, I was better for it, but I did lack self-awareness and uh, that's a really important leadership competency, but I, 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 I'm learning it. Uh, I've learned it and I'm still learning it. I'm still on that journey. Well, I was going to say, I was going to say that the other competency that you demonstrated in that situation and throughout your career is the importance of being a lifelong learner. I mean, for, you have to give yourself credit for being open to that feedback, you know, not being wounded by it, but for taking it, you know. Thank you, Barry. Thank you. I was, I was probably wounded for a moment. Don't get me wrong. But, <laughs> but, but after that, I let it absorb and I did learn. And, uh, and, and I'm much better off for having done it. Uh, what, what great advice. What great advice. Thank you so much for joining us today, Rose, and for sharing your hard-won experience and insights. It was a pleasure, Terry. Thank you for the invite. Well, that wraps up our podcast. Please come back to informmichigan.org for more opportunities to meet her. And while you're there, check out season one, as well as Meet Him, a podcast series in which male leaders share what they've learned about the importance of diverse leadership. And don't forget to check out our growing library of video tips, virtual leadership development programming, and our calendar of virtual events. Thank you.